0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: We are the temple of the living God, so I also want you to consider yourself. Just consider that the true and the living God who is holy and pure and just lives in you. Is he comfortable or is he uncomfortable in you? Is the things that he sees, the things that are around inside of you, Things that you're meditating on, taking in, listening to, singing. Is it stuff that the Holy Spirit inside you is saying, All right, I sing that song. Because I think there's some songs I'll sing and God's like, You sang it loud. You know, that's good music to the Lord. There's some other junk out there, though, that the Holy Spirit ain't bearing witness with that.
0: You may think the darkness of this world is new, but did you know the darkness began long before you were born? Throughout the ages, people have walked with and then ran from God. The temptations of the world can be strong and the enemy seeks to destroy anything that's good. But as you learn in today's message from Pastor Bill, you don't have to give into the world. The Bible says that if you believe in him, Jesus lives within you. By his spirit, you are able to overcome the darkness. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Verse 18, it says again the the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who was to be cleansed, so the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And so we've had a trespass offering. We've had the wave offering. And now there's a sin offering that's being offered up. Verse 20. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. And the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. And so these other offerings here, you have the grain offering that's being offered up. Each one, um, and we went through all these in Exodus, each one is symbolic of different aspects of what God is doing in the life of the people. But the grain offering, I just thought that was interesting, um, that it's obviously what you use to make bread. We know that Jesus is the bread of life as he offers this up to the Lord. Each one of these offerings, each one of these things that are being offered up, um, this guy is being, not only is he being made right with God, he's been cleansed of his leprosy, he's been brought back into a place where he can worship and be with God's people Once again, verse 21, it says, but if he is poor, and I told you guys, God made a provision for someone that couldn't participate because they were poor. And so what if you're poor? What if you don't have money? What if you can't afford these animals and these things? Does that mean you can't get right with God? Does it mean you can't worship the Lord? No, God made a provision. He says, but if he is a poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb instead of two as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him one-tenth of an ephah fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Once again, someone might ask, well, why does God make him bring anything? So if he's poor, he's still got to bring something. Again, I know that this thing can be abused so badly by people. Um I'm aware of one minister right now that's got a 65 million dollar fund for a new jet, you know, and it could be just abused and really just beat into the ground. But I want you to consider why does God tell them to give him something? He don't need it. He's God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, all the silver and all the gold. He doesn't need anything from them, but he says no, you're going to bring something. Why is it something to bring something? Because it's good for them to bring something. You know why? Because we're greedy. We're selfish. Every single one of us are, we're selfish. That's what we are by nature. Most of us, when we get something, you get some money in your hand. The first thing your natural man thinks about is, what well, am I going to be able to get me with this? What? Well, I'm going to get me some more stuff. There's this tax time. People getting their tax checks coming in and people say, oh, my tax money is going to be gone in a week. Four days, one day. Some people have spent already. They had waiting on the check to come so they can just do it. But it's gone already. That's how we do. God knows that, man, we are some selfish people. It's good for us to give. It's good for us to say, you know what? I'm setting this apart to give to the Lord. God says believers should be benevolent. It's good for you to give something that's yours to someone in need. It's good that you do that. It's a good thing for you. It's good that we be giving and givers, um, that it keeps us from being self-centered and selfish. Uh, when you give I worked for that I earned that I I, I, whatever but I'm willing to give it up for someone else's um, need I'm willing to give to this thing over there it is good for us to give and that's why God has us to give it's not because he needs it it's not because his work won't go forth if you don't God will figure out a way God will make his work go forth but we it's good for us we need to be giving and so he has us to give Uh, again I believe it's for our own benefit so moving on Verse 24 says, And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave the wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. And we looked at that previously. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand, And the priest shall sprinkle with his right hand, with his right finger, some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. So the same thing that we looked at before. Same process, just a different offering. Verse 28. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who was to be cleansed on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of the right foot on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. So one more place he puts the oil, he put it on his hands, he put it on his feet, big, the right toe, he put it on his ear. Now he puts it on his head. And I just would point this out for a new creation. Uh, someone that's born again. What's one of the first things that you want to see happen to a new believer? What do they need to have renewed their mind? Right. How does that happen? The word of God. The renewing of the mind will come through just them being in the word. And so Romans 12, you know, one and two, I beg you, I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, Paul says by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable act of worship. And it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so every believer, you come to Christ, you had a way of thinking, you had a way of living, you had a way of doing things. Now you're saved. God says, you need that all renewed. You can't come into the kingdom and function like you used to function. Anybody here grew up in the street? You can't come to church and act like you was in the street. She took my seat, you know, would you going to hit her. We had church. We new creations now. You had your mind renewed, you know. Um, Everything changes. And so, you know, the way that I would have done some things in the world as I get saved and my mind renewed, it's like, I can't do that no more. I don't like it sometimes. Sometimes I want to do the old stuff, but my mind's renewed. And so I got a new mind and an old flesh. And so but the mind renewal keep me from doing things that I know I shouldn't do. Um, But how do I know not to do it? The word of God just over time. God's word been sown in. So I know. Uh, I know I can't do this. I know I can't respond like that. The renewing of the mind. And so every one of us here needs to make that investment in ourselves. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible on your own. That's why we do Bible study. That's why we take you through the word on Sundays. All these things renew our mind. I begin to learn God's perspective on things. I begin to understand how God would have me to deal with difficulties and things as they come up his way, not my way. And will we all agree that God's ways are better than our ways, the outcomes are better. That's for sure. And so we yield that. So again, if the rest of the oil that was left, they put it on his forehead. Verse 30 now. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or pigeons such as he is able to afford. The one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering with a grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for the one who had a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. I just thought it was interesting that God would make a provision in the law for someone that was getting going to be cleansed but they couldn't afford the normal ceremony. God said, I got something for you too. I'll make a way. Uh, He made a provision for those that couldn't afford to do the whole thing. Verse 33 now. And now this switches to deal with a home. These are all the things we left. We looked at the person with leprosy. We looked at in chapter 13, how to detect the leprosy. Um, In the end of chapter 13, we looked at if someone's clothes or their garments had leprosy in them. And we didn't go all the way through that one. But the bottom line was if if the clothing or the items, the material had leprosy or had the mold or whatever, in it it just had to be burned. It was no good. Burn it up. Get rid of it. Well, now we're going to look at the house. I'm going to challenge you as we go through this section at the house. Everybody here would consider their place of residence, your household. You know, two different ways. You know, we can look at our household, our residence. It's a house where we reside. But the Bible says that we're the house of God now. We are the temple of the living God. So I also want you to consider yourself. Just consider that, that the true and the living God who's holy and pure and just lives in you. Is he comfortable or is he uncomfortable in there? Is the things that he sees, the things that are around inside of you. The things that you're meditating on, taking in, listening to, singing, is the stuff that the Holy Spirit inside you is saying, all right, I sing that song. Because I think there's some songs I sing and God's like, you sing it loud. You know, they good music to the Lord. There's some other junk out there, though, that the Holy Spirit ain't bearing witness with that. And so uh, just put that cap on as we look at uh, they're going to deal with dealing with leprosy and things in the house. Verse 34 says, when you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest saying, it seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean, and afterward, the priest shall go in to examine the house. He shall examine the plague. And indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall. Then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house for seven days. So first of all, if the person sees something in their house and they think it might be leopard, they got to go get the priest. And the priest got to come examine your house. And it says, you got to get all this stuff out. I just want you to think about this for a minute. What would that be like today? If it were like that priest got to come to your house today. How many of y'all would want a day? Let me have a day or two to get, let me get some things out of here for priest come. You know, I, I want to remove some things. I want to change a few things around before he come and start going through my house. How many of your houses could he just come on in? I want you to consider for everybody here that runs a household, if you're a parent, a mom and a dad, what's your household like? Um, what takes place in your household? Is your household a place that you would be ashamed or you'd be proud to have the Lord come on in and just observe things? I'm not saying it's got to be spick and span and clean and all that kind of stuff. And you got to have good food and chicken and everything else. I'm saying just as he walks in, what's the environment? What's the atmosphere of your house? What are the songs that are sung there? What's playing on the televisions in your home? What are the conversations like in your home? What are the children being taught? In your home, what are the things that are elevated and raised up in your home? And as the Lord would walk through it, would he be like, all right, OK, Is this all right. Would he be OK with it? Would he not be OK with it? You can examine that for yourself. And so the priest would have to come down to the house and he's going to examine it. If he sees any of the streaks on the wall, he would shut the house up for seven days and he's going to come back. I told you guys before he did the same thing with the people. He gave time. We take seven days, shut everything up. Seal it off. I'll be back in seven days to examine what it's looking like. Verse 38. Then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house for seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague. And they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. So if he comes in and sees, you know what? It's unclean. I see these parts of the stone of the house. Then he would take all those stones and they would take them away to some place where unclean stuff goes and they would be cast away outside the city. Why? Because God didn't want his people being infected with the plague, with the leprosy. That's what this whole process is about. Verse 41, he shall cause the house to be scraped inside all around and the dust that they scrape off shall he shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take the other stones and put them in the place of those stones. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones. After he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look in a deed. If the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. So this is what's happening here. The priest came down. Heard there was maybe some leprosy in the house. He took a look at the house. He found the stone and took away the stone. Now he, he scraped everything. He scraped the wood, shaved it down, got rid of everything that was on the surface. All the surface stuff, we cleaned it up, we took it away, removed it, and we shut it back up. They put new plaster on the walls and everything else. Now, if it starts coming back through the plaster, he says, then it's in there. It's active leprosy. And this is a lesson I gleaned from this right here. Um, there can be times where there's stuff that you know. There was things that were apparent in our life, got dealt with, got exposed. I got called on the carpet for it, and so I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to do that no more. I repent. Okay, well, let's just examine for a while, because, and I told you guys before, when we looked at the surface, we looked at how the leprosy on the skin it would it would start under the surface, and they were trying to determine like was it deep under, or was it just something on the surface that uh, was it some surface blemish blister. Or was it something deeper than that? Well, here, that's what they're doing with the house. Is it deeper than that? Is it something that when we scrape all the stuff off the side, it's going to resurface, it's active, it's alive. Consider this. Because we do want to give space for people to repent and make changes. You know, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, none of us are God, right? If my kid do something wrong um, and they say, Dan, I, I, I repent. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. You know, um, and then we go and we give it time. And we evaluate, you know, what's going on and and we just watch over time. And if that thing keeps coming back, if it keeps on resurfacing, it's like, no, that's active. That's not, that wasn't some blemish, exterior, lightweight. There's something deeper underneath the surface. Um, Anybody seen somebody have a bad day? Um, Somebody that normally is of a good nature, but they just have a bad day. They seem snappy today. You snapped at somebody today. But that's not normal like that, but they just one day, it's just a little snappy. I know some people like that. I won't name them. I love them. But I know some people that every once in a while, they could be a little, oh, you snapped. Stop snapping. Um, so let's say, you know, that's just surface. I just, you know, you can have a bad day. You need some coffee. You need not eat. Well, I don't know. It's just small. But there are other scenarios where it's like, wait a minute. You always snap at that person. There's something deeper. There's something active. There's some active bitterness, some active anger, something deeper that needs to be dug out and dealt with. So they look at the house here. They're saying, look, if, if we go in the house and take away the stones that are affected and we scrape away the stuff that's outside and we put new plaster and we, we clean it up and make everything new. If We come back and see that mess on the wall again. It's deep up in there. This thing is active and it's infected. It's infectious. And there's a difference between, you know, something that like, man, just a little surface thing and something that this could impact other people. This could start infecting other stuff. It's going to keep growing if we don't kill it, if we don't get rid of it, if we don't put it away. And so it says in verse 45, he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber and all the plaster of the house. And he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. So God doesn't say, hey, let's try to save it. Let's hang on to it. Let's see if we can make it work out. You know, that was a really nice house. Let's don't destroy the whole thing. What does God say, dude? Wipe that whole thing out. Destroy it. Get rid of it. Interesting because you might be saying, is that what we do to people? (laughs) Is that what we're supposed to do to people? Just get rid of them? Mafia church? No, we're not trying to do that. But this is what the Bible does say, right? What does God tell me to do to my flesh? Crucify it. Violence. God's a crucifier. There's nothing good in your flesh. Nothing. Nothing good in your flesh. No good thing's ever going to come out of your crucify it. Destroy it. Die to your flesh. Everything the Bible says about my flesh is always violent. Die to it. Crucify it. Jesus said, if your right hand caused you to stumble, he says, put a pad around it so it doesn't hurt so bad. Now he said, chop it off. That's violent. My, chop my arm off. If your right eye caused you to stumble, pluck it out. I won't be able to see no more. You better to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. Um, I mean, when you look at those things, it's like that's isn't that harsh Isn't that a little heavy. But is it true? Who here rather go to hell with two eyes? If you had the option of going to hell with two eyes or heaven with one, what would you take? You take them both and send me to heaven. I get new eyes, you know, Um, you know, but it's then deal with the flesh violently. So he says here, destroy the whole thing, crumble it down, take it outside the city. Don't spare any of it. Don't save anything. Just get rid of the whole thing and destroy it outside the city. Verse 46, Moreover, he who goes into the house at all, that is shut up, shall be unclean until evening. He who lies down in the house to wash his clothes, he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and examines it, and the plague is not spread in the house, after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house, same sacrifice we looked at before, the two birds, the cedar wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, the little pictures that speak of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. Then he shall kill one of the birds in the earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, the living bird, and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water. And sprinkle the house seven times. When I read that word slain, it just remind me of Jesus because we know that he was slain for us. The Bible says, verse 52, And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird, and the running water and the living bird with the cedar, wood, and hyssop and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. And I love the imagery here because you got the one bird that was dead, that was killed in this little sacrifice transaction, but you got the other bird that gets to go free. He gets to fly away. And I don't want you to miss that picture because that is you and that is me. We had Jesus is the bird that died. He didn't do nothing wrong, he was innocent. He didn't do anything wrong, but on my account and on your account, he died. And then I get to go free. I go absolutely free. And I, again, I think that's why believers ought to just be thankful. I think that's why we ought to be full of worship. I think that's why we ought to be willing to sacrifice and do whatever God wants us to do. Because he took all my sin off of myself. If you're writing notes, you can write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And I'll read it to you right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says... For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that we might just go free. Free of our sin, free of our wrong, free of our mistakes because of what he did for me and did for you. Just the imagery of a bird flying away free after one died. I know you are glad to not be the one that died. I know I'm glad to not be the one on that cross. I know I'm glad that I didn't have to pay the price for my own sins, but that he took care of it. He paid it for me. Verse 54. This is the law for any leprous sore and scale for the leprosy of a garment of a house for the swelling and a scab and a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of the leprosy. And as we end this section, dealing with this nasty, ugly disease that's very synonymous and a very much a picture of sin. Uh, I would close with this one thing. I was to look at all the details that went in. Three chapters of this, by the way. Three chapters on, three very long chapters on leprosy and evaluating it and what it looks like. And if it's on the surface or underneath the surface, if it's puffy on the skin, if it's in your clothes, if it's in the house, if it's, you know, all these different things and all of that. And what's, if I could just summarize the whole area, this whole thing. This is what God wants, you guys. God wants holiness, purity. Among his people. Because when there's a lack of purity, it brings death. And so with leprosies, I, I can't have lepers running around my people. It brings death. I can't have you infecting clothing. I can't have you with infected house I can't have you infecting people. And so if you're going to be infected, you gotta be outside. But for my people, God says, I want there to be purity, I want there to be holiness, I want us to be healthy, I want us to thrive, I want us to do well. And he made a provision. He says, You know, there'll be times where I heal. Um, I wanted to go to look at it, but I'm not going to do it. But there are many times throughout scripture where um, people came to the Lord looking for him to heal them of their leprosy. And he did it. And each time he did it, he told them, now go show yourself to the priest. Uh, one of my favorites is in Lucas, the 10 lepers. All 10 lepers come to Jesus. They said, Lord, master, have mercy on us. They had a yell unclean from across the street and they're asking Jesus to heal them. And he said, OK, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. All 10. And as they went to go, what he do what he said to go follow the law? They were healed as they went after they were all healed. It says one guy came back to give glory to God. He happened to be a Samaritan. And this is how I know Jesus wants my worship. Jesus asked the one guy that came back. He said, hey, where are the nine? I healed 10 of y'all. His expectation was that 10 people were coming back to say thank you to give him glory. But the one man that came back got something special. Um, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Wait a minute. He was already healed of his leprosy, but he wasn't saved. He wasn't whole. He was healed. All 10 men going to die of something else. But he said, you your faith, you came back because you have faith. You know, I'm worth more than a healing, a quick healing. Your faith has made you whole. He received something far greater than a physical healing, a spiritual healing. And so some people will look to the Lord for in desperation. God, take away this affliction, this thing. Understand this, that there's nothing greater that I need and you need from Jesus than to have my sins washed away. And to have that affliction, the sin affliction, to have that taken off of me and that taken off of you. And Jesus has done that for us.
0: Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand him, he is near and he is for you. His grace is endless, and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus, and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org, and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, Be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.